Arizona Sports, the local sports leader, Bickley Glass. For most of their 55 years in the Valley, the Suns have owned this town and never more than when they've been really good and really entertaining, when everybody is looking for tickets, when the arena seems to fill up with stardust and a smattering of real celebrities, when a courtside seat is enough social currency to last you a month. And tomorrow night marks a new beginning in this dizzying realm. It is the home debut of Kevin Durant, the superstar at the center of the greatest reprieve in sports history, the player sent to us to deliver us out of the sporting wilderness to bring redemption to a market that has been suffering for over five decades, along with an owner with a win-at-all-cost mentality who has atoned for every bit of Robert Sarver frugality in one day on the job. By the way, would it be the ultimate ultimate boss move if Matt Ishbia won a title and promptly sold the team before his first full season in Arizona? Of course, that's not going to happen. Remember, though, the Suns might be the most famous, impactful, influential organization to never hoist a banner. And as much as people whinge about the reputation of Kevin Durant, there is going to be serious legacy points for the principals who eventually bring a championship to the Suns, even if the rest of the national media hasn't quite figured that out yet. Today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury affordable. They've got two great locations. You can find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. Yeah, uh, the buzz is real. Home opener tomorrow night for uh, Kevin Durant as a member of the Phoenix Suns against Oklahoma City. Check the secondary ticket market, Bick. Prices not as outlandish as they were for the first time, we thought Kevin Durant would play at Footprint Center. Oh, really? Okay. Not, not yet, anyway. Versus right. the same team, too. Versus the same team. That, that is true. But uh, according to the site that I'm on, you can still get into the arena for under $100 tomorrow night if you're interested in going. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But uh, operators are standing by. Move quickly. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And, <laughs> uh, okay. um, you know, the talk about hoisting uh, or, or raising a banner, winning a championship, hoisting that trophy... It, it's weird. You mm-hmm. go through these whole this this whole series of reactions, and I still think there's a lot of reaction to Kevin Durant because it's still so new of him being a Phoenix Sun. But the realization when you hear somebody from the outside, and we just talked to Sean Powell from NBA.com, and yeah, sometimes it comes down to the very rudimentary, the very simple facts that we all know, but you need a reminder of sometimes. Mm-hmm. The NBA Finals winning a championship comes down to superstar players. It does. And it the does. Phoenix Suns got very close to winning a championship two seasons ago with Devin Booker as the centerpiece of it. And was Devin Booker ready to make that ascension? Mm-hmm. He played very well in those finals. He had back-to-back 40-point games on a huge stage. But ultimately, it wasn't enough to yeah. combat the firepower of nope. Giannis. And, the, and now the Suns have that firepower. The 92-93 Suns that everybody uses as a reference point, one superstar on that team. Not two, one. Yes. The Steve Nash. 2005 Suns, the seven seconds or less Suns, one superstar on that team. If 
you would call Steve Nash a superstar. Amari, maybe close, but not like KD and not like Devin Booker right now. I agree with that. I, I would say they had two stars, but two stars, maybe not one superstar. That's a great, that's a great way to put yeah, it. Yeah. We, we've talked about this when it happened. KD is the best player the Suns have ever had, including Charles Barkley. I, I don't know prime. if I agree with that. Oh. I don't know if I agree with that. They're close. I don't know. I, I, listen, I've, I've thought about saying the same thing mm. on many different occasions. I don't know if Kevin Durant in his prime is better than Charles Barkley in his prime. Mm. That's a tough one. You're not an idiot for, for, for siding on either side. Um, I think most people would say KD is, but man, Barkley in his prime was was. He was a semi truck, unstoppable yeah. in a different way. Yeah. A yes, different way. but also contributed big time on the boards. Was a great rebounder. Defensively, it's not close. KD is a much way better, better defensive yeah. player than than Charles was at that point. But to your point, Devin Booker is better than Dan Marley or Amari Stoudemire was. Yes, and I would. Amari who? And, and I would even say, <laughs> I would even say that Devin Booker, even though he doesn't have the MVP trophies, is better than Steve Nash at his prime with the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, look at me. You make that dumb look again. <laughs> That's yeah, just I my think, face. I'm I, sorry. I, no, I think, resting Jarrett face. Yeah, I think Devin Booker's at that level right now. I really do. And I may be wrong about that as well. But this this franchise has never had two superstars. That's going to be the difference starting tomorrow. Two superstars. Two Utah. Two. <laughs> two, me, two of them, Utah. <laughs> They are not meatball subs. And they're not meatball subs. No. So, And you're going to feel it. Everybody at the game tomorrow night is going to feel it because that's the way that arena rolls. It, 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 you know, it, it's it's the celebrity palace. Yes. Um, you know, it does. You know, superstars win. We know it. But there's three other guys on the floor. We know who two of those guys who are you know, likely going to be there at clutch time. Chris Paul will be out there. DeAndre Ayton is going to get a ton of minutes, too. And their roles are changing at you know, with, with uh, every passing minute on the floor together. But figuring out the fifth guy, uh, Monty Williams, as the head coach of the Phoenix Suns, still has that on his to-do list, and it's going to be a work in progress. He talked about that Sunday when he rolled the dice correctly in the second half, and that fifth guy was Ish Wainwright. I mean, there's a lot there. Uh, I'm all over the place with trying to figure out who that guy is going to be. But for the most part, I trust the last game in Chicago. I was going to play him in the second half, and I said, be ready. He's like, I'm ready, coach. And then I didn't play him. And he didn't go down in the dumps. He didn't pout. He was the same guy. And then I didn't play him in the first half tonight or today. And when I looked down there, he had his head down. He was almost shaking because I knew he wanted to get in the game. And I said, okay, let's go. The shots he made were great, but I thought the duck in where Luca tried to duck in on him and he got the deflection. Like those are the kinds of plays that um, builds trust, not just um, from me, but from the staff and his teammates. Yeah, it's no mystery that the Suns offensively, when Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are on the floor together, we know how that's going to operate. But for everybody else on that team, their roles change. I mean, DeAndre Ayton's not getting nearly the number of touches uh, that he got offensively. And that wasn't even as high as it should have been before Kevin Durant started playing. So it's an adjustment period, no doubt. The adjustment has gone very smoothly. I thought Sean Powell brought up a, a really good point too. Oklahoma City is an up and coming team. Um, you know they're on the on the cusp of making the playoffs. I think ahead of schedule. I don't think anybody expected them to be there this year, but they're in the mix. That's a good team. But the three games that follow: 
Friday night at home, or Saturday night at home against Sacramento, then a road game at Golden State where they're a different team at home and Steph Curry is back, and then you come back and, and host the Milwaukee Bucks. That is a very telling three-game stretch. Um, we'll we'll yeah. know a lot more about this version of the Phoenix Suns after this stretch. I, I, I don't – will we? I mean, I, I think I, so. Listen, I, 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 that sounds accurate, what you're saying, but will we? I mean, is there anything we're going to learn about the Suns team? I, Until the they, playoffs. They look good enough to play the playoffs right now. Yeah, I don't but know you've what also got, learn about. you've also got other teams that are ramping up. This is, this is when it comes, it's starting to feel like playoff time. Sacramento's going to want to make a statement. You know, they came to town not too long ago and the Suns beat them. And that's before Kevin Durant started playing. And, and we keep saying it. Sean Powell said it, too. We're waiting for the Sacramento Kings to fade. They, they have to fade. I mean, they're the Kings. They might not fade until they get to the playoffs. It's the longest playoff drought in the history of the NBA. It's coming to an end this year. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, so they're, they're too shocked by it all to see the, the fool's gold and winning all these regular season games. Yeah. Trust us, Sacramento. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can't wait for tomorrow right. night, though. Yeah. It's going to be going to be huge. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, it's not just about Rodgers and Brady maybe uh, continuing to play. There's another quarterback that's been on the sidelines for a while that might be itching to get back to. We'll get into that and more in NFL Hash Marks straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Dan Bickley, Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Good morning, guys. I'll get to the point right away. I'm retiring. We're good. I know the process uh, was a pretty big deal last time, so when I woke up this morning, I figured I'd just press record and let you guys know first, so I uh, won't be long-winded. If you only get one super emotional retirement essay, and I used mine up last year, so. That was a month and six days ago, Tom Brady. Now, nothing has changed on that front. He's still retired, but uh, we played the audio earlier this morning of Rich Eisen sharing the top five things uh, from the home office in Wahoo, Nebraska, Paul, the top five things that, Rich Eisen, uh, that he learned at the Combine. And number one on the list was that Tom Brady might not be done after all. And there yeah. might be interest from the Miami Dolphins. And Rich Eisen's not prone to, uh, no. to, to to that kind of frivolous stuff. So so he's obviously hearing it from good sources. So you wonder what exactly is behind it. Is it just smart people banking on the nature of Tom Brady and the fact that the Dolphins are the team that might need a quarterback? I What, what I see repeatedly is there are teams that clearly need quarterbacks and then there's a second tier of teams that might want upgrades Miami San Francisco and you can go on down the list from there uh-huh. well Miami's Miami's in a in, in a unique spot it might be a it, need it might be a need and they want an upgrade it might be both yeah because they have to they are in the they have to speculate on the career of Tua Tagovailoa yeah, right and that is even if he was there wasn't the concussion concerns from a from a performance standpoint, you know, is he the guy moving forward? You know, people thought early in the year he might be an MVP candidate early on, and it petered out. And obviously, the, the concussions had a lot to do with it. And the Dolphins' uh, season kind of fizzled when when he couldn't play anymore. But I could see that being 
a carrot for, for Tom Brady. And we talked about it earlier, too. It might be more than just salary. It might be, yeah. hey, you want some, some ownership stake in the Miami Dolphins? Uh-huh. Here you go, Tom. A couple weeks ago, I was actually looking at uh, at some, some tape on Tua for just completely unrelated reasons. And I, I was struck by how many times he gets tackled, hip tackled, leg tackles, and he ends up hitting the ground with his head first. He allows himself to be tackled like a rag doll. It's the weird. Go back and watch. It'll, it will strike you if you watch all his tackles. There's a reason why this guy's like eggshells. Yeah, and he lands it, on his head almost does, every time he gets tackled. That and that's not a no. That's not something you really look for no, in a quarterback. No, and and listen, the conversation we had at the end of last year, I really got me thinking because all the people there was just so much universal, sim- not sympathy, universal fright for what might happen to Tua that that he became the oh the Dolphins better do right by him and not play him and. Yeah, I don't know if they did right by him because the concussions and the the brain and the uh, the health status of all these other players who are not quarterbacks. Where's the concern for them? And and this concern for Tua put the Dolphins in a place where they were hamstrung. They couldn't even yeah. play the guy without. Oh, you're monsters! It's so tough now for them because if he clears all the tests, and yes. all the protocols, can you? not play him even though he's cleared all the tests that the NFL says he has to do I don't know yeah it's like okay can you really hold that against him say listen we we can't afford the risk of playing you we can't afford the PR if something goes wrong yeah that's part of it too the PR nightmare that they went through earlier in the year when Tua suffered the concussion against Cincinnati on Thursday night, oh. he went back to the game prior when they ignored him. Oh yeah, basically oh, yeah. collapsing on the field. Uh-huh. Uh huh. All right, so so okay. Tom Brady so, might be back. Yeah, guess who, who else? Tom Brady, guess who else might be back? I know this. Our, our listeners, our man Phil, Philip Rivers, baby. Philip Rivers could be back. He apparently was sniffing around making a return last year. When the 49ers got down and desperate for a quarterback, uh-huh. hey, what, what, what are you thinking? Do you need me? The Saints were a team. I think the Dolphins were in the mix. Phillip Rivers is 41. Didn't play last year. Mm-hmm. Might be back. <laughs> Which is, Does yeah. every quarterback just hate his family? <laughs> Everyone except for Kurt Warner. <laughs> I didn't realize how boring y'all were. Right. I go back to work. I didn't realize how many damn many of you there were. Right. I didn't know how many exactly. names I had to learn in right. retirement. Right. <laughs> Where I mean, which one are you, Tiffany? <laughs> he wouldn't come out of retirement to be a backup. So where would he even fit? Because yeah. he would, he would, he's purely a stopgap. Well, like Vinny said, Miami probably was in the mix at one point. San Francisco maybe last year at one point. Yeah, Rich Eisen says he has contacted the Niners and the Dolphins about coming out of retirement. Wow. I know what people are saying because of my history of bashing Phillip Rivers on this radio show. Mm-hmm. You're not a fan? Yeah. I'd kind of welcome him back. It'd be fun to make fun of him again. <laughs> <laughs> to have a, a renewed reason to make fun of him? <laughs> There was reports, too, that uh, Trey Wingo uh, put it out last night that apparently uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets had conversations yesterday. Oh. So we'll see if that was part. Maybe after these conversations, he's got to go back into the dark again to consider it. He's got all the answers right inside of him. 
Yeah, listen, I, I, I think that I, I think the Nathaniel Hackett piece there provides some stability. You know what I mean? It, it's like the Jets aren't going into this thing blind, if you will. But if there's been a drop off in the skill set of Aaron Rodgers. Has there? He wasn't, I, I he wasn't guess as there, good yeah. last year. No, it's true. He wasn't. We marveled for years that, wow, Aaron Rodgers, outside of Devontae Adams, what does he have to work with? Not much, but he, he, he maximized I'll bet those you, I'll bet you. I'll bet you if he ends up with the Jets, he goes to off-training or off-season workouts and all that stuff, which he quit doing in Green Bay. <laughs> well, well, we shall see. It's decision time. And today's a big day, too. It's the final day for... Uh, Franchise tags to be handed out, and right. uh, a slew of them have been handed out, so we might get some resolution on the Lamar Jackson situation wow. by today. Okay. Uh, I know they were coming down to the deadline. The Giants and Daniel Jones, there's a lot of speculation. You know, he could be getting $40 million per year. Right. Which some people say, well, that's the going rate for a quarterback, and others, even with that knowledge, say, how in the world could you justify paying Daniel Jones $40 million to pay quarter, play quarterback for your team when he's had one decent season? So the Okay, so if the Ravens and the Ravens are thinking of putting the non-exclusive tag on Lamar Jackson, mm-hmm. now that means that, it, that a team can poach him, but they'd have to give two draft picks in return. Correct. Okay. Yeah, that, that would seem like a, a good out strategy for Baltimore if they didn't want to pay him. Yeah, and they clearly don't put the onus on somebody else. It would have happened by now. Yeah, but again, it's complicated by Lamar not having his own representation and representing himself, and this insistence that he gets a hundred percent guaranteed. What a mess! Uh, but we might have some speculate or uh, some some resolution right. by by tomorrow's show. Coming up next, we will have our weekly visit with the chief hockey development officer of the uh, Arizona Coyotes. We'll see if Shane Doan can keep tabs on the new roster. We'll get on, into that more next with Shane. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't score! Shane Doan. Shane Doan got a piece of it. I think this goal is going to go to the captain. Captain Coyote. Shane Doan sends a one-hopper on that. He scores! The captain. Coyote's legend Shane Doan. Up early to talk Coyote's hockey with Bickley and Murata. Shot by Shane Doan. He scores! Yep, Coyote's legend and chief hockey development officer for the Arizona Coyotes, Shane Doan, joins us for his weekly visit here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Donor, good morning to you, sir. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you doing? Hello, Shane. We're doing good. Um, we're we're trying to scramble and to see all these new names on the roster, all the guys shipped out at the trade deadline, which we <laughs> expected. But how would you assess the, the movement, um, the activity, and the return for, for what Bill Armstrong and his staff did at the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I think that uh, obviously, yeah, we knew there was going to be some movement and we knew there was going to be some things happen at the deadline. And uh, I don't think as players you like that very much. It's always difficult. It's always hard losing when uh, friends are moved. And um, in the return, I mean, we got a lot of draft picks. So um, I guess that's uh, that's kind of what they're going for. And uh, hopefully they can do a good job picking up. Yeah, listen, I, I don't know what's normal. I, I heard some people in the industry claim that, that the Coyotes thought they were going to get more or should have gotten more. I don't know what these level of, of players command on the free market. The, does everybody in the organization seem cool with the net return? Yeah, I think that obviously the originally what they'd been asking for was probably was we kind of set the standard um, 
quite a bit higher than what we got and uh, on the chicken deal um, and in the end the market kind of bears it out and uh, you have to live with what you can get so that's that's always okay. tough right. but um, no, no, that's all. I, I was just curious about that because, again, I, I had no, I had no context in that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we set the bar by saying that we wanted, I think, three firsts and or a prospect. Two, I think, three firsts and a prospect, and we didn't end up getting that with him. But at the same time, we got, um, you know, with Ghost and a couple of the other guys, we added quite a bit. And, uh, it's it's tough. It's tough because draft picks are hard when you're a player because. Especially in our sport, you see how far away they are, mm-hmm. and that's that's always that's always difficult. Okay. Yeah, and when we sat down, uh, we sat down with you during Newsmakers Week a couple of days prior. We sat down with Bill Armstrong, and he talked about you know setting the bar pretty high on what they wanted in return for Jacob Chikrin. But uh, and you kind of touched on it, Shane. There's no way that could have dragged on, and a deal couldn't have been made for Chikrin. <laughs> I mean, it's been dragging on for long enough. Yeah, yeah, that's that obviously made it a little bit tougher and the situation a little bit unique um, with him not playing and everything that's gone on for the last three weeks prior to the trade deadline. That put that, it put a constraint on on the fact that you're right, you couldn't come back and that made it difficult. And as a, as other organizations probably saw and tried to take advantage of that. All right, let's talk about this team because um, yeah, you're right, and we've talked about this. The results are going to be what they are from this point going forward. There's a lot of roadrunners. There's a lot of minor league players on this roster. It is what it is. Looking forward, though, I'm curious, what do you think of this team's uh, what do you think of their forwards? When you look at guys like Clayton Keller and Lawson Krause, who's going to have a second straight 20 goal season, and you got Barrett Hayton. Shut up, Barrett! And then you got Nick Schmaltz, <laughs> Matthias Michelli uh, in the midst of a really good rookie season. How would you assess the state of their forwards? I really think our forwards are doing well. Like obviously, Clay Keller and Nick Schmaltz and, and Barrett Hayton's line is, has kind of elevated itself to one of the one of the premier lines, definitely in time of possession. And and, and Hayton and, and Schmaltz, what they are putting up in points wise, and, and and Kells is kind of leading the whole way. And so that's that's exciting. That's exciting as a group. And then I am the biggest Michelli fan there is. I think that kid's unbelievable. I think him and Crosser have some pretty good chemistry together and I know that Crosser likes playing with them because that kid can pass the puck and and you forget that we we had Gunner here too Dylan Gunther was somebody that we had um, in the in the organization for the first half of the year and was contributing on a daily basis and was somebody that was really effective for us and you put him with Michelli and you put him with Krauser, and then you add Logan Cooley, um, somebody that we're pretty high on, and that if you look at it, probably in the top five, maybe top ten prospects in the in outside of the NHL right now with what he's doing down in college, and um, so it's starting to the forward group starting to really look like something that you can get excited about. Shay Doan, our weekly guest here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings, joins us Tuesday morning to talk about the state of the Coyotes, and we know that the the view is now to the future, especially after the very active trade deadline donor and you know the coyotes in their history they've had a chance at some generational players in the nhl draft lottery it hasn't worked out but there's another one of those guys that's going to be available can you tell our audience more uh through your eyes uh what connor bedard is all about (laughs) um he can score man that kid i've 
I haven't seen anyone do what he's doing to the Western League or to the in the CHL. What like what he's doing this year as a 17 year old? Like you don't even see that as 19 year olds, and that's a big jump. Uh, 19, 20 year olds sometimes can can put something together that you're really impressed with. Every time you think that he's kind of okay, well, what does he do from here? He goes out and does something that you just you can't believe. Like you're kidding me. The other night he played in Canada. There's a, uh, the best team in, in the CHL, which includes all there's I think 70 teams in the CHL right around that. And the best teams in Winnipeg. They're they got a really good team. They probably have five or six guys that are going to be NHL players. He. His team's not very good, and he just got four goals and assists to win 5-4. <laughs> <laughs> is that all? Yeah, the kid is just uh-huh. – it's hard to put It's hard to put it into words what he's doing offensively. Like, And, and it's his shot. It's his, it's, it's his IQ, his hockey IQ, and the way that he handles things. And, and then he's just – he has a 17-year-old kid – He's at the World Juniors, and he does what he did at the World Juniors, where he breaks records for the most points ever by a player, uh, a 17-year-old by far, but almost as a player in general. And when he leaves, he makes sure that all the support staff for the Hockey Canada gets an autograph stick. Like he got home, signed sticks, and sent them to all the support staff because he is that he's that special wow. of a player to get a stick. But who thinks of that as a seventeen-year-old? Like he just is a kid that gets it, and so it's pretty exciting to see what he's going to wow. do wow. going forward. And uh, he's a guy that's going to be the face probably of hockey for the next fifteen, twenty years. I mean, you mentioned seventeen. When the season rolls around next year, he'll be eighteen. I mean, is it uh, is it possible he could be like a, a first day NHL guy, or do you think he's, he's got Got more time to develop. Uh, no, he'll be a first day. Wow. wow. <laughs> he's a guy that he's a guy that he turns. I think he turns eighteen in July. Yeah. Like he won't even be eighteen when he gets drafted. Yeah. And, and and that's not typically the thing that you want to happen. Like you you want to probably give him a year. You look at like a guy like Cooley, a guy that we're really really high on. We think he's incredible, and uh, he went back and played another year. Shane Wright was a player that uh, everyone was really high on. He went back and played another year. Um, but what this kid's doing, he's got fifty. 59 goals in 46 games in the CHL as a 17-year-old. Wow. Like it's just, uh, he's got 130 points in 46 games. Like, he's just, you don't, oh, or 128. Sounds like a, sounds like a young Shane Doan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, if I was playing against, like, 12-year-olds, like, like, yeah. he's just, and, and there's another kid, Adam Fantilli, who, I I might be the lead in the bandwagon on him. I am just as excited about him. I wow. I think he's an incredible player. So those two guys are at the top of the draft that are are guys that I'm you know you're excited about and you can't wait to see what they can do. Mm. This draft obviously is a good draft, and we we we're excited wow. to see what these players can do. Do we uh, did we talk about Logan Cooley? The the anecdote Bill Armstrong told us about how he went to a state college to watch Logan Cooley play with the Golden Gophers. They were playing Penn State at Penn State. Did we talk about that? 
No. Okay, no. So, what did so, he say? So Bill Armstrong shows up there and he doesn't announce his uh, arrival, so he's just kind of hanging out. And the first period ends, and and apparently Minnesota's top line was just garbage in the first period. They come back out to start the second, and Logan Cooley looks up, and there's Bill Armstrong standing in the crowd, and he's like, "Oh my goodness, the guy that drafted me is here tonight." He went on to proceed to score five points in the next ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that that line, Logan is just an incredible player. He's got a little bit of Braden Point, the centerman from uh, Tampa, who's just been he won, he's just been incredible for them since they drafted him. He's fast. He's got a bite to him. He grew up in Pittsburgh and kind of a blue collar kid that that's really skilled that likes to every now and again play really physical, which is which is always nice to have. Um, and his his winger is actually a kid from here in Arizona. Like that line, they got a line right now in Minnesota that's just incredible. All yeah. three of them will be NHL players. A guy named Matthew Nyes who uh, grew up playing for the Junior Coyotes here. Him and my son played together for their whole lives and. What they're doing and what Logan's doing is fun to watch because yeah. it's it's <laughs> they're they're really putting on a display as well. But he's just a, I think Logan's got a chance to be a true number one, which we really haven't had in, in Arizona for well, a long, long time, yeah. and and then a true true number one right from the start. Donor, always a pleasure to talk to you. Great stuff today. We will uh, hockey today. We, I, we I know we didn't even veer off basketball. We didn't get, get into Jarrett. No, what about hey? What is is Golden? Are we going to end up playing Golden State in the first round? We have to get ahead of that. I don't want to play. I don't mind playing Golden State, just not in the first round. Who knows? It's going to the standings change so much every day in the West. We have no idea, Shane. Yeah, I I think I think this is the year to get Golden State. I think they're going to get gotten. I think I think personally, I'm embracing it all. Bring me the Mavericks in the first round. Bring me the Warriors in the second round, and then we'll take the Nuggets in the third. There you go. Okay. All right. Good. I was just wondering what our path was going to be. Well, so I'm glad we cleared it up. I think the path should be the Suns just don't lose a game the rest of the way. Just go. <laughs> just go unbeaten with Kevin Durant. Yeah. What? I mean, it's only reeling off like 32, 33 in a row. Big deal, right? The seventy-two Lakers that did it. All Happy Hairston, Gail Goodrich, Jerry West, <laughs> Rudy Larusso. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week, Donner. All right. Thanks, guys. See you, buddy. Shane Doan, Chief Hockey Development Officer, Coyotes legend, joined us every Tuesday to talk Coyotes hockey. Coming up next, if we told you a year ago on this date that Geno Smith would be a big upgrade for the Seahawks over Russell Wilson, you would have thrown things at us. But apparently that's the case. We'll get into that and more next. Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata. Marks. Heard from a couple people that Gino was much more involved. Like literally, a, there was a reporter who told me he would walk into the locker room and Gino would be in there like playing cards with the wide receivers. And I think that there is, I would imagine, a camaraderie that comes with actually being in that room and and putting yourself in there with those guys. So as far as the players go, received really well. I did not get the impression early in the offseason that, um, you know, it was like, Gino's a sure thing, he's a leader. But I knew people liked him. And I think you could see that early. I think it was after Denver when he and DK and Tyler all came up to the stage. It was one of those home games. You never saw that with Russ. So I do think there's a camaraderie there that has frankly been missing for a couple years. That's Stacey Joe Ross from our sister station up in Seattle, Seattle Sports, talking about the improved chemistry and leadership from Geno Smith, which... 
We talked uh, quite a bit last offseason, Vic, especially after the deal between Seattle and Denver went down. Like, wow, mm. what a coup for Denver to get Russell Wilson. What are the Seahawks possibly going to do at quarterback? Yep. And you know, it, it, you know, it ended up being Geno Smith, who I've never been all that high on, especially since his, his time in New York with the Jets petered out. But... Man, he was one of the, the the great stories of last season, and the story gets even better as he gets a big contract from the Seattle Seahawks yeah. moving forward to and be their leader. A, yeah, and it's a good way to do it for Seattle. I think it's reasonable. I mean, it's a good payday for Geno. He certainly deserved it. The the Seahawks ended up rewarding somebody who who deserves to be rewarded, and it's only a three year deal, so it's it's a real good move. Oh, it's hand fruit time! Hey ho, oh, hand fruit time! Hand fruit time! Hand fruit time! Hey ho, hand fruit time! Yeah. Oh, is that so a peach? Stupid. No, it's a it's a apple. No, it's a peach. Oh, is it? That's it's a not peach, pe- on. It is absolutely not peach season. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, it's do you have a special hookup? <laughs> I know a guy. I know a peach guy. You know I, a got peach a, guy? I got a peach guy. I got not a stone fruit yeah, guy. Not for a stone fruit guy. <laughs> no, no, a it's, stone fruit. It's it's okay. It's 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 not. Great, but I did, I don't usually see it at the store during this time of year, so I got a little excited and jumped right on that bad boy. Oh. You're the only person I know who would go to a grocery store and get excited by peaches. Ooh, I, I do get excited do by you? a good peach. I guess you don't know the President's United States of America. Ah, uh, there you go. Yeah. Good point. Uh. Okay, uh, so so back to the Seahawks and Geno. So this is a, it's a good story, and yet uh, I'll be curious to see if if this really was a one hit wonder for Geno Smith. I'm uh, seriously. Part of me, if I were the Seattle Seahawks, part of me would go, okay, you know what? Let's let's just cut bait now because it's never going to get any better than this. Not the right thing to do. I think I said. I think I think it's important for a football team to reward players and stories like Geno Smith. In watching him last season, I didn't know his arm talent was that good because it had been a while since any of us had really seen him play. Really since West Virginia, yeah, Um, yeah, where he was, you know. His last season at West Virginia, the first half of the season, it was like, give him the Heisman now. Yeah. The numbers he was putting up, there's, and that stopped. But There's something about, you hear about quarterbacks who can spin the ball, mm-hmm. the quarterbacks who get uh, all that wrist action on the ball. You can see it when Geno Smith throws the ball. There's great spin on the football. But Geno Smith led the league in completion percentage, yeah. which in today's NFL, I think, is kind of a hokey stat because the completion percentages are going to be high anyway. But he also threw the ball downfield with great accuracy. So it, it does mean something when it's Geno Smith. And back to your point, too, it's like, do you cut bait? Um, no. I mean, there is a desperation to find a quarterback that's serviceable or better, and he just certainly was that for the Seahawks. They look like geniuses in They all could have this. franchised him, though. And that would have been a reward to Geno Smith at this point in his career to get that much money. And it would have bought, bought them one more year to see if this is for real or not. True. But then do you, I mean, what what's worse for the player? The players do not like being friends. No, of course. The the player. They want the security. Want the security, and, and, and but. He's going to make like $50 million in the first couple yeah. years of that uh, of that contract. So, it, it, like Bick said, it's a win-win. Um Daniel Jones, might he be a $40 million man with the New York Giants? Dan Orlovsky not on that train. There's no shot I'm paying Daniel Jones $40-plus million. Listen, I don't want to come on Monday and crush Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones had a nice year. Like, he had a good season. He earned money. He, he totally changed the narrative around the player that he was. $40-plus million 
and the main reason is he didn't throw a bunch of interceptions? Seven months ago, the conversation was, man, can they franchise tag him maybe? Like, could, could they maybe? Could he play well enough to earn a franchise tag? This, now we're talking 42, I heard $42 million a year. $42 million a year for to say, hey, you didn't turn the ball over a bunch? <laughs> There's a lot of truth to what he's saying, but a lot of what we just said about Geno Smith applies. Do you have somebody serviceable or better? His numbers were not nearly as good as Geno's. He no. had a thousand less yards. He had half the touchdown passes, but the touchdown interception rate, uh, 15 to 5, and his lowest interception rate of his career. I think Dan Orlovsky's right on the money, but the Giants are probably going to be, uh, you know, paying him that much money. They might regret it. I've never been a huge Daniel Jones Me fan, either. and he was no. decent last year. That and that's really about it. Yeah, I again, I'm gl- I'm glad that's not our decision to make. But then again, we're 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 dealing with with the same questions. I'd rather I'd rather would I? Now that I think about it. I don't know yes. what you're going to say. I know. But that's, sure. what what you that's, that's what puts me in a very good spot. I don't have to, right, I don't have to let What's this What's going on inside that mind. head of yours, Vic? <laughs> and outside that head of yours. Yeah, right? Um, listen, I, I think that I, I think Daniel Jones and the Giants team, that, that playoff game against the Eagles, I know it got sideways on him, but I, I again, I don't see a $40 million quarterback in that kid. I it, just don't. It feels like his ceiling is a player, a quarterback good enough to lead you deep in the playoffs if everything around him is really, really good. That's yes. like doesn't yeah. seem like th- no. where you want to you know hitch forty million dollars a year for however many years to. No, and how much of that of his you know ascension was Brian Dable you know taking over that team and giving them a, a real air of credibility for the first time in a while. We'll, we'll see. I think they'll mm-hmm. probably if they do that deal, I think they'll probably regret it long term. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell takes us through what's going on on Twitter today at Bickley underscore Murata. Social Studies is next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.